You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. If you or your patients struggle with muscle cramps, spasms, soreness, or restless leg syndrome, you're going to want to hear about our non-opioid TheraWorks Relief. TheraWorks Relief is a clinically proven and published locally acting topical solution that prevents and relieves muscle cramps, spasms, and soreness in the legs and feet. In a research study including patients diagnosed with restless leg syndrome, TheraWorks Relief was shown to reduce symptoms commonly associated with accompanying RLS, including muscle cramps and spasms. Muscle cramps are reported as a side effect of hundreds of prescription medications, from intravenous iron sucrose and conjugated estrogens to statins and diuretics. By managing muscle cramps, TheraWorks Relief supports adherence, helping patients stay on important and often life-saving medications. TheraWorks Relief comes in an easy-to-use, fast-absorbing, non-greasy foam that can prevent muscle cramps and spasms with just a few simple applications a day. To learn more about TheraWorks Relief, go to theraworksrelief.com and click on the Healthcare Professional link. Welcome to Senior Rx Radio, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Senior Rx Radio is brought to you by the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists, the ASCP. ASCP is devoted to optimal medication management and improved health care outcomes for older adults. Learn more at our website, ASCP.com. Welcome to CRX Radio, sponsored by the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists. So happy today to have back former host, Chad Wars in a, in a new role to talk to us about today. So Chad, tell us, what is it like new CEO executive director at the American Society of the Consultant Pharmacists? Well, thanks, Justin. I appreciate that. Um, it's great. I mean, this is, uh, this is uh, the role of a lifetime. I think if you're a pharmacist and you're passionate about moving the profession forward, I don't know how you don't look at an opportunity like this and see that, um, based on all the pharmacists out there and all the work that they're doing, what a, what an opportunity we have as a profession. Um, and in terms of this job being in Washington DC and being close to the regulations and the legislation that impacts our profession, this is just, it's a lot of fun to think that uh, we can push the ball forward. I think you're coming in at just an absolutely incredible time in senior care and certainly healthcare in general as well. So I couldn't be more excited when I talk about, I think just the membership as a whole, I think is really excited. It's almost a palpable um, excitement out there for you taking over because a lot of us know you really well, but for those of us who maybe don't know you as well, how did you get time to be into this role? Where did you start from um, in this world of senior care pharmacy? I mean, I have a long history in pharmacy. So I'm an, I grew up in a corner drugstore in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I was a 14 year old stock boy that became a technician that became a delivery driver that became an intern that eventually became a pharmacist, uh, back in the day when you still got a, a bachelor's of science in pharmacy. So I'm an old school PharmD. It was a BS first, and I, I continue to go straight through and get my PharmD, but it afforded me the opportunity to practice as a pharmacist while I was going to PharmD school at that corner drugstore. And just like we've seen uh, a lot in pharmacy, there's there's consolidation and there's sales, and that corner drugstore actually sold while I was a, a pharmacist in PharmD school. And I went and did some work in the retail sector to finish off my PharmD. 
and then I went right into a role in a long-term care pharmacy. And it's kind of a funny story. I'm pretty sure that I was hired because at that particular time, this long-term care pharmacy was trying to secure a 14 nursing home contract. And one of the stipulations was that they had to have a PharmD on staff and they didn't. And here I was interviewing for, for a job. So I think I, I thought I did this great interview. Um, I thought I really connected with the, the president of that pharmacy. And I'm sure I did, uh, but it was funny in finding out later, well, in order to get this giant contract, we had to have a PharmD and you showed up, so we hired you. So I was kind of a token PharmD. Um, but that's what really got me into senior care. I was a pharmacist that wanted to practice clinically. Um, I had gotten my PharmD and um, this was an opportunity to jump into a, to a clinical role with a pharmacy right out of, right out of school. So I started as a, really a support person for consulting. I wasn't even a consultant. I was kind of a resource for the consultants. And then I eventually became a consultant, uh, ran the consulting department of that pharmacy and eventually ran the entire pharmacy operation. And then about um, 11 years ago, I started my own consulting only company uh, out, uh, left that pharmacy and started my own consulting company, uh, which I did for the, for the last 11 years, rolling into this opportunity with ASCP. Is there something about senior care that you like look at and say, this was the point that really flipped me into this, this is sort of my life as senior care pharmacy? Is there something that, or is it a culmination of a lot of events, do you think, that sort of led you into, wow, I'm here at senior care pharmacy, this is such a great thing, I'm going to continue with it? Yeah, I think it's kind of a compilation of events. I'm a pharmacist first, so I really have a strong allegiance to my profession, and I really want to see pharmacists take on a greater role in the healthcare system. And I think over the course of uh, the 19 years that I've been practicing, uh, we've sort of seen this big demographic change coming and it happens to be in senior care. And that happens to have been a place where we've done a lot of work clinically uh, as a profession. We've had consultant pharmacists for uh, a long time practicing clinically. And now all those skills and that acumen that defined ASCP and the senior care pharmacists for so long are starting to expand because the population is expanding. So what used to be a role in a nursing home um, taking care of a senior has now expanded to be a role that you provide to a physician in a physician's office. It's a, a role you provide to assisted living uh, facilities. It's a role that you provide to the community directly. And it's all because you have this sort of unbelievable dynamic of a population that is growing at the rate that the over 65 year old population is growing at the same time that we've introduced all these medications and we've created this um, high consumption in that age group. So now you've got a very complex patient on a lot of medications that is growing in a very vulnerable time, that over 65 age group that really requires somebody to help navigate that medication profile and make sure that we're not taking things we shouldn't, that we get rid of things that have run their course, and that the things that were left that we do need to take are being taken appropriately with all the other drugs that, that are on board the profile. So it's crazy, and I think you alluded to it in your, your opening, that it, this is such a great time for pharmacists. Um, I think we've moved past this idea that we have to sell what we do to the healthcare system and to the, to the world that a pharmacist is valuable. That 
that ship has sailed. Now it's about making sure we hit all the opportunities that exist for pharmacists and make sure that we're exposing those opportunities to pharmacists so they can take advantage um, and play a, a bigger and a deeper role in healthcare. And I think it, it's just where we have to go. Um, 43 million people over the age of 65 today, that number is going to be 74 million by 2030. It's going to be 90 million by 2050. And it's the biggest consuming demographic of medications of all the, all the age groups. Um, that just speaks directly to what we do as pharmacists. It needs management. They need help. And, and we can be in a position to, to provide help. Oh, and I think our profession is, has evolved along the way as well. And so, and I think I've, you've spoken to this before in other, in other places, but, you know, it used to be a senior care pharmacist was something that might not have been the most prestigious job. And now I think it's completely different that, you know, the metrics like you talked about, all the seniors that need management, all of a sudden, what a, what a great role to be in in senior care pharmacy. And, and like you alluded to, you know, everybody's looking for someone to have a solution and, all of a sudden, we're kind of at the, at the helm of this thing now to where we are that solution for these patients that, you know, before it might not have been that. And all of a sudden, because of the exploding number of medications and the aging of our population, we get this great opportunity to, to be those people that really help kind of usher in the kind of the golden years of life for some of these people, but do it with a quality medication behind them or perhaps they didn't have that before. So I, I think you have a great positive direction on what this looks like um, as we move forward. Yeah. And if you look back, I mean, when I started one of the first um, homes that I practiced in was called Baker's rest home. Uh, it was in Southeast Indiana and we just don't have rest homes anymore. In the, in the 19 years I've been out practicing, um, we've gone from sort of a rest home mentality and long-term care to a post-acute rehabilitation mentality. And in that comes a high degree of sophistication, and in that comes a high degree of need for a pharmacist to, to help manage the medications for people in that environment. So... What we used to do in a rest home, that, that patient now lives in assisted living or they still live at home. They still need that service we were providing 20 years ago. And now you've got this new group of transitioning patients that have been to the hospital. Uh, they have acute problems. Uh, they're trying to rehabilitate to get back home. And they're an opportunity for pharmacists to play a role, making sure they understand their medications, that they're on the right medications so that they don't end up, again, cycling back through that system and, and ending up back in the hospital um, because of some problem with their medications. So what we've done has, has changed. Our patient group has changed and the environments that we can provide care have changed. Um, and I think that's one thing that's been consistent over that 19 years is that there's been a lot of change, but it has pushed and migrated toward this senior care demographic where again, we've kind of as an organization always had the, the corner uh, and the acumen to take care of patients in that in that age range. You said something really interesting there, Chad. You said the patients that we take care of 20 years ago, you know, they don't reside in the long-term care or rest home anymore, but they still need our services. I, that's really interesting. I, I think you're absolutely right. How do we get to those patients? Because it's not mandated necessarily where our long-term care services obviously are. Right. It's exactly right. And I think you're seeing it. I mean, if you look around the country and, and you look at where pharmacists are starting to pop up, you have accountable care organizations hiring 
kind of population health pharmacists. You have insurance companies that have hired pharmacists. You've got pharmacists that have now learned how to work with physicians in, in primary care practices to make their practice, their, their physician practice better by having the pharmacist manages, managing chronic care um, codes and chronic care management of patients and helping them with the metrics that define them to the insurance companies that in turn define their reimbursement as physicians. So you're, you're seeing people reach in and grab pharmacists and say, hey, we need help managing this older patient with this very sophisticated drug regimen, with these very sophisticated diagnosis, and we know that you can do it. We, we've seen you do it in other places. Come over here and do it in this new environment. And I think that's what's really exciting about uh, being a pharmacist is that people are recognizing that and you're seeing pharmacists move into these areas. And it's, it's our job at ASCP to find pharmacists like that, shine a light on their practice and expose them to other pharmacists so they can also try to uh, penetrate those different environments and, and maybe build their businesses in that, in those environments. I, I like that direction. So you talked about building a business and Chad, those of us who know you, you know, you came from this entrepreneurial really background in your career. What led you to the decision of wanting to be an association director and how do you take the work that you did prior to being the director and then putting that into actionable items that the association could use? Yeah, that's probably the number one question that people ask is why did you do this? And I think I, I had a lunch with Tom Minigan, who's the um, CEO of APHA. Um, and he's a little bit older than me, but he came from uh, a position where he owned a pharmacy and he had a, a business before he took a role um, in Washington with APHA. And the way he described it, he said, it's kind of a calling. Um, and I think that fits the way I feel about it. Um, I feel like I've always, even in, in the context of building businesses and and starting pharmacies, I always had this, I want to help pharmacists have more opportunity. So if I was helping start a nonprofit pharmacy like I did in Cincinnati, it was uh, to give pharmacists another way to practice in the inner city of Cincinnati in a, in a way that benefited um, the people of Cincinnati. If I started a consulting company, it was to find these really good pharmacists around the country, country that could um, essentially start their own business and work with opportunity that I was able to find uh, to build their businesses as pharmacists. So it's, it's interesting. I don't look at it as a lot different than what I was doing. Yeah. I'm not a business owner anymore. I'm now running an organization, but I'm still doing the same kinds of things. I'm still out there trying to educate pharmacists on what opportunities are available and trying to hunt down opportunities or shape legislation and regulation to create opportunity for those pharmacists that are out there that have this acumen in senior care and can provide services all in an effort to make our profession more prominent and to push us forward uh, as pharmacists. So I, I don't see a whole lot of difference from the perspective of, of what is my mission. My mission is, is still the same. It's to help pharmacists grow and find opportunity and, and be the best pharmacist that they can be. Uh, and I think that's why I took the job. I think, I, I think there's a compelling um, reason, as, as we've talked about, with the demographics and the opportunity that, that face the healthcare system to push pharmacists forward. And I enjoy that aspect of it. I enjoy um, trying to help all of us as pharmacists have more opportunity and be uh, practicing at the top of our license. 
I think that's I think that's really interesting. It, it sounds like the entrepreneurial spirit lives on. Just your service is is a bit different, but the but the mission remains the same. I, lo- I love that. I think a lot of members will love that as well. What's been the biggest surprise being the CEO? Anything that Frank didn't tell you about or Tom didn't tell you about that? I think good? honestly the biggest surprise. I I think uh, when you look at when you're when you've been part of businesses and I've been a part of a number of different businesses, not just the ones that, that I owned or, or started, but I was part of that long-term care pharmacy and uh, I've had different jobs. I think when you look at a nonprofit organization, you have this perception that they're this benevolent group out there and um, they, they sit around the, the conference table and sing Kumbaya and it's all just fun and it's all benevolent. You're giving back and it's just, great feeling. And the reality is it's, it's a lot like any other business. I, I think there are challenges and those challenges are similar challenges that, that corner drugstores face. There's their challenges that consulting companies face. Um, other places where pharmacists might work have the same kind of sort of issues that occur around the water cooler that any other business does. So that was kind of a surprise, but by the same token and, and on the flip side of, of that being kind of a revelation as you come into this job, you see the same benefits and positives as well. So you have this very dynamic team, this very diverse team that comes from different places, some of which uh, were within pharmacy and some of which are outside of pharmacy. And you really start looking at it just like you looked at some of your other businesses where how do I maximize the talent that this staff has to achieve the goals that we have in this organization. And I think that's been a lot of fun to get to know the staff, to get to know where their talents are and to work every day, to give them every opportunity to expose those talents and for them to practice at the height of whatever function they have, whether it's uh, Brie as an education pharmacist, if it's Kavan as a, a education pharmacy technician, that's where her history is. Uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun um, from that perspective. What are some of the most exciting things you're working with on right now? Maybe as members, you you knew a little bit about it, but then now that you're kind of in this new role and you get this deeper understanding of all the functions that ACP is doing, is there one or two things that really just grab you that you're really excited about and can't wait to expand on further? Yeah, I'm really excited about the senior care directory. I think um, it was uh, in the past when that was up and running at ASCP. I know I use that a lot to find pharmacists, um, to see who was out there and and what they were doing in terms of their practice. So I'm I'm excited that that's been launched recently and then that's back up and, and, and able to serve not only other pharmacists, but also serve the public. They can find pharmacists. Um, and get an understanding of what a pharmacist could do for them. So that's exciting. I think um, this whole provider status that has been kicked around since I was in school 20 years ago um, is seemingly coming to a point where we might get some legislative action that that does make us providers within the Medicare health system. Um, I think that's exciting. I, and I think it's it, it's exciting from two perspectives, because when you look at what's going on with the healthcare system and value-based care, we're already providing, we're already doing the things that this, you know, brass ring of provider status would offer us. Um, But it's exciting to be here at a time when that's the dialogue, that's the narrative up here. You've got Congress talking about it. You have, you know, 
whatever it is, 70, 80% of the, the senators and 70, 80% of the representatives in the House are supporting uh, a bill that speaks to pharmacy provider status. To the point that as some of these bigger issues take hold like opioids and this race to provide something to the that very at-risk population, now they're talking about taking the provider bill and piecing it into an opioid legislation to give pharmacists an opportunity to provide uh, in that context. So it's just, it's exciting time to be uh, around Washington, D.C. because there are these opportunities. And again, they seem to be coming to a point where we're actually going to see something tangible come out of this particular um, congressional session on provider status for pharmacists. So there's, there's anticipation there, there's excitement there, and then there's the real work of if that does come to be, how do we get out there and expose it and teach everybody how they can use it to better their practice? And it, it kind of falls back into that, that cycle of what we're trying to do at ASCP. I love you mentioned that fact because I do think you're right that, you know, if the magical wand were to be waved and we were to be providers, how do we all of a sudden be providers? That probably looks a little different than the practice we currently have, even though you're right. We are, we are practicing like that. It's the documentation and billing piece that we're going to have to do that is certainly going to be necessary of ASCP to be there for. And I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, I think what's fun about that is there, there are people out there. I, I know, um, as part of the programming that we're putting together for annual meeting in November in Washington, DC, you know, we're going to be highlighting some pharmacists that are out there providing, they're doing the work that, uh, you know, we would all say provider status legislation promises and they're out there doing it already. So giving them the exposure uh, at a time when we maybe by the time we come together in November, maybe we have provider status language already in place. But being able to present pharmacists that are doing things at the top of their license to give other pharmacists an example and a path, I think is exciting. Uh, and it's exciting to share those things because we want pharmacists to take hold of some of these opportunities and integrate them into their practices. I think that's, I think that's fantastic. And I, I know membership will look forward to that as well. And, you know, having that somebody who's blazing that trail that everybody can kind of point to is, is super just really exciting. If I were to give you unlimited resources and whatever it took to make your vision occur, what does long-term care, senior care pharmacy look like if things were sort of in this perfect utopian world? Well, that's a really good question. I think, um, and, I, and I don't think it's a pipe dream. I, I think this is the reality of the next three to five to seven years but I think the ideal world is you find a senior care pharmacist everywhere that the seniors engage healthcare. So think of the things that pharmacists are, are known for. We're trustworthy, we're respected, we're accessible. Um, we need pharmacists in all those places, whether that's a pharmacist that works uh, in a CVS pharmacy inside a Target um, store, if it's a pharmacist that has developed um, technology that they can FaceTime patients? Is it a pharmacist that works in an assisted living facility, a nursing home, a transitions of care environment with a hospital? Um, all those places, we need to recognize that senior care pharmacists play a role and provide a service that you, you, no other discipline can do. Um, home care is another uh, emerging 
uh, location to, to have a pharmacist practice. So if I were to wave a magic wand, it would just be that that just becomes part of the routine of the healthcare system is that you go to the doctor and then you see the pharmacist. Um, the home care nurse comes out to check on you and then you link via technology to a pharmacist. You're transitioning from a nursing home back to home and before you go home, you talk to a pharmacist. They go over your medications. They make sure you understand them uh, so that we can close the gap on some of the risks that are out there. Um, if you look at the risks that, that patients face in the healthcare system, there are risks that a pharmacist really can, can solve, can mediate. It's the person that goes home with 14 medications and they have 14 new amber vials and they go home to 16 old amber vials and they sit there and try to figure out, what do I do with this? Uh, I left on quinapril and now I'm on lisinopril. Is that the same drug? Is that a different drug? Do I take both? Do I take neither? And it's those areas of risk that we have a role to play in making sure patients are safe. So any, in any position within that person that lives at home, falls down, goes to the hospital, ends up in a nursing facility for two weeks, goes home, sees their primary care physician, goes to their pharmacy to get their scripts filled, all of those environments need a, a pharmacist that can address the medication-related issues. So if I had a magic wand, I would make sure there were a pharmacist position in all those areas. And then I would probably make sure that we had this beautiful electronic medical record system where you could see everything in real time and you wouldn't have to try to piecemeal stuff together and make guesses and uh, reconcile medications in a, in a, in the way that we do them today in this sort of tower and Babel, tower of Babel environment. Um, so maybe two things, make sure the pharmacists are all there practicing and uh, available, and then make sure that we have electronic systems that can marry all that data together and that information together so that we're efficient at it. I, I think those are just absolutely beautiful ideas and ways to get there. How do you think that happens though? Is it, who do we need to educate? Is it legislators and get legislation in place? Is it, you know, kind of allied health team member colleagues we need to educate as a patient. Who's, who are we missing right now? Because I think what you described is how many of us would love to practice. I'm just, how do we get there, do you think? Yeah, there's, it's, multi, it's multi-pronged. I mean, to be up here and see the work that Shelly Spiro does on health information technology and how she's trying to take a collaborative of all the pharmacy organizations and position what the pharmacist does within the, the conversation around health information technology to make sure we do have a place to write a note that would go into a Epic system, but also go into a point click care system, but that would also go into a fi- uh, primary care physicians um, system. Um, you need that approach so that we're not left outside the candy store when things start coming together. And it's unfortunate, but it's, it's the way that our, our, that America works. I mean, it's, it's, you've got all these different companies. They're all trying to provide services. They're all very sensitive about their data. They're all very sensitive about who can see it and who they talk to and how they interrelate. And we've got to keep pushing to make sure that the pharmacist is in position to see those electronic records to be able to provide to the payer systems that are out there, including the government payer systems. So we just have to keep fighting that sort of multi-front battle, 
jumping up and down saying, hey, don't forget the pharmacist. Don't forget the pharmacist can do this. Don't forget that a pharmacist needs to be able to see that data in addition to the home care nurse and the physician when you're writing your regulations and rules around health information technology and health information systems. So we just got to keep grinding and making sure that we're, we're at the table when these decisions are made and this legislation and, and regulations are written. And I think ASCP is in the perfect position to do those things because I know as a member, I often hear about the things that ASCP is doing and it's, it's great to see the number of different venues you and your staff find yourselves in because I do think you're doing that work on the part of membership. So I thank you from the members to you guys for that because it's certainly work that we couldn't do and I don't think there's um, a way for individuals necessarily to do that, but being part of the ASCP group allows you to navigate these things and be part of all these great conversations. And, and it, furthermore, just hear about the conversations that are going on, even if maybe it's not necessarily in your realm, you see when you're um, interacting with DEA, for example, and talking to them about rules that are cumbersome for long-term care pharmacy, you know, when you're at APHA, um, I just think it's a wonderful experience to be able to see that as a member even though it's advancing the practice, that might not something you're involved in acutely, you can see your membership at work doing that. I think that's wonderful. Yeah, and I, I think that's, you, you bring up some good points there because when you look around at what ASCP provides um, and you look at the other organizations, we're all filling a need. We're all filling a, a gap. Um, I had, as part of my onboarding, I spent a lot of time uh, bouncing around to different conventions. I went to the uh, AMCP convention. I went to the APHA convention. I've been to MHA, which is a, a pharmacy purchasing, group purchasing organization. And they're different audiences. And what's unique about ASCP and the audience that, that, that we're trying to attract is that we're pharmacists that practice with seniors. And that's not just a nursing home pharmacist. That's not just a pharmacist that has a, uh, a pharmacy practice that has predominantly older patients. It's anywhere that that senior engages healthcare, the pharmacists that work in those areas are the pharmacists that we're trying to provide opportunities, resources, and education to. So it is exciting. We do provide something that I don't think you can find other places, uh, certainly not at the level and certainly not in the quantity that, that you can get them uh, at our meetings. I mean, we're very focused on making sure that pharmacists that practice with seniors have the latest information, understand the latest changes in regulation and legislation, and can continue to, to push uh, their practices and their profession. If you were an ask of membership or even just senior care pharmacists in general, what would that ask be thinking back to your vision? How do we, what's the next step and what can individuals do to um, sort of aid that in, in ASCP as a whole? I think that the biggest thing, and, and I get to see this because I get to run around and go to different meetings. I've been, um, I just went to the Washington State Pharmacists Association where the local Washington ASCP chapter met. I just was at the Massachusetts ASCP meeting where they did a joint meeting with um, the Massachusetts APHA group. And what is unique about all those opportunities is you meet these very bright, passionate, innovative pharmacists, and they're going to these things to talk to each other, to share what they're doing. Um, because they know that by sharing with each other, they're going to learn something 
they may convey something and as a as a group we're going to get better so if i were to ask members and other pharmacists that may not even be members it's to take advantage of those opportunities to network and engage each other because in those conversations we're going to grow as a profession we're going to grow as a society so when when we have events like forum and we have our annual meeting and we have some of the the regional meetings that we put on around the country those are such great opportunities to sit down face to face with other pharmacists and really get an idea of where their practices are moving and what opportunities they're seeing and maybe it's something that you pick up there that improves your practice or maybe your practice is innovative and you're going to share with somebody that can then improve their practice in some other part of the country and i think that's the real value in associating we want to be connected to something as pharmacists so ascp we, we want people to feel connected to us and we want them to feel connected to each other. And we just want to be the environment that that connection happens in. Um, I think that's where the real value is um, in associating uh, with different professional organizations. So I'm glad you mentioned Forum, for example. So we just wrapped up Forum about a month ago now or so. Um, and then looking forward to annual meeting, of course. Can you tell us a little bit what you're taking away from Forum? What were some of the biggest things that people missed if they weren't there? And then is there anything in particular looking forward to with annual meeting coming up? Yeah, it's interesting. As, as Forum has continued to evolve, I think this was the fourth year of Forum. It's really becoming a technology, um, a legislative, um, and a business kind of a meeting. So uh, we had a lot of companies that represented new, interesting technologies that pharmacists could use in their practice. We had a lot of emphasis on um, the business side. So billing, uh, we had a pharmacist come in that explained how she was billing chronic care management codes for the physician's offices that were in her area and how that was beneficial and fruitful for her practice as well as beneficial for the physicians that were participating with her. Um, so forums become that kind of a meeting. And I think what you're going to see in the coming years is we're really going to drive a lot of that acumen and, and that um, education to the forum meeting. We're going to have um, a fly-in associated with next year's meeting where you'll be able to come in and we'll have set up meetings with the, the legislators from your area. So you can go talk about provider status or whatever legislation might be impacting pharmacists at the time. And then the annual meeting is going to still be that very powerful uh, deep dive into the, the clinical um, pharmacy topics that are affecting us and our patients. Um, and we're going to try to get a little bit more um, salacious, for lack of a better term. We're going to talk, try to talk about medical marijuana. We're going to try to have the FDA come in and speak about drug pricing issues. Um, so we're going to try to get some of the more edgy topics to our meetings because I think that's where that's where the innovation occurs. Um, when pharmacists are, are looking at other pharmacists that have decided to take the risk and participate in medical marijuana, or when we see a pharmacist really providing leading edge solutions for drug pricing issues uh, to get patients their medications in, a, in innovative ways, that's where we're gonna find innovation. That's what I think people are gonna find uh, valuable to their practices. So. I think you'll see that this year um, at annual, we have a heroes theme. Um, so you're going to see this thematic and this uh, overall strategy that ASCP brings that's all designed and built around helping you improve your practice, whether you're a 
bench pharmacist at a corner drugstore, you're a pharmacist practicing in a long-term care pharmacy, you're a consultant that practices in nursing homes, you're a pharmacist that practices within a physician's office or community-based practice, we're going to have education that's, that's designed to help you build up your practice. Fantastic, Chad. And we're going to have you on again, I'm sure, as uh, annual meeting approaches to make sure everybody understands all the great things that are going to be happening as part of the annual meeting benefit. So I just thank you so much today. And, and you know, you've been around ACP for a long time, of course, and many of us know you that are ACP members or involved with senior care. But I think all of us are really looking forward to um, your direction and you know everything you're going to bring to ACP. So Thank you so much for your time today, and we all look forward to interacting with you in the future as well. If somebody wants to find you on social media, how, how could they do that? Uh, that's a great question. I, I was going to make sure I got to end with you know opening that door and that invitation to any anybody out there that uh, is a member that has a question, that wants to talk about a topic, that wants to see what um, ASCP can do uh, to shine a light on something or expose something that they feel is important. I want them to know that they can they can call me uh, at the office. They can engage me on social media. You can email me, um, and we'll make sure that that everybody has access to to those different ways. Because again, we're, one of the nice things about ASCP is that, is that we're not a giant uh, organization. We're not, you know, 200,000 people. We're, we're sort of a smaller boutique organization that can be very nimble and very reactive and, and very personal to the pharmacists that are members. So I know my Twitter handle is at ManageMeds, so you can follow me there. Uh, I do have a LinkedIn profile. Um, my uh, email here at ASCP is cwers at ASCP.com. You can also email CEO at ASCP.com and that'll come to uh, me as well. Uh, and those are ways that you can engage and, and get a hold of me. I, I was going to say, if, if you're not, if you're on Twitter and you're not following chat, you definitely have to because you know, it's not just senior care pharmacy stuff. It's healthcare related information. You're, you're absolutely a great follower. You're must follow if you're on Twitter and certainly on LinkedIn as well. So thank you so much, Chad, for, for joining us today. This has been the, uh, Senior Rx Radio, sponsored by the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists. Thanks for listening to Senior Rx Radio. Be sure to share this podcast with your fellow consultant pharmacists and pharmacy associates to learn more about better outcomes for older adult patients. Join us on the web at ASCP.com.